Have you ever felt like you really want to be the mom or the dad that you just really have always wanted to be, but unfortunately, you just keep getting stuck in your quick reactions and your frustration and your anger and your attitude towards your kids? What can we do to change that? How can we be the parent that we want to be? Let's talk about it today with a very special guest. Let's start the show. I'm so glad that you found the Genuine Mom Club podcast. We live in a digital world that so often leaves mamas behind. That's why I'm here, to help you get through the days and not feel so alone. I'll be covering topics from anxiety to homeschool to health to raising kids and so much more. I'll be joined by some pretty incredible experts on all of these various topics to help you with all of your mama questions. Whatever you need, I'm right here to help you. Thank you for listening to the Genuine Mom Club podcast. Okay, you guys, I have a very special surprise for you today that I think that you're going to really love. Today on the Genuine Mom Club podcast, we have Erica Cruz. And she is phenomenal. She is an early childhood development expert and parent coach who helps children, families, and teachers thrive and grow together on the foundation of mutual respect. She is certified through RIE, which is Resources for Infant Educators and the state of California, and is also trained in the Waldorf Methods. Erica's passion for supporting families stems from her own experience as a mother of four boys, ranging from one to 25 years old. Without further ado, I would just love to introduce you to the amazing Erica Cruz. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Genuine Mom Club podcast. Well, I'm excited to be here as well. Thank you for having me. Um, Can you tell me a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Um, Well, I have uh, four boys of my own uh, that are now 25, 23, 14, and a two-year-old as well. Whoa. Yes. So spread across, (laughs) spread across the ages, definitely, for sure. Um, I got into early child development when I was still a kid. I mean, I was super interested in working with kids from the get-go. So would volunteer a lot of my time during the summers working in daycare centers. Then I was a camp counselor. And then I worked with children in preschools and Montessori and corporate care. And then I started to have babies. And so um, ended up uh, bringing them home and uh, starting a program of my own, which I never thought I would do in wildest dreams. And it was so magical. And even though I have grown kids, I continued the program and we just hit 20 years uh, last September. So we're wow. 21 now. That's amazing. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a journey and, uh, and it's been, I mean, I'm still doing it. So I am yeah. in love with the work. And you're so experienced in it. I love it. Like you just, I love, okay. So, you know, if you have a job, a lot of people, they're like, you know, I do it for, you know, work. But you just have like such a passion for it. And I love that. I love that you have such a deep passion for what you're doing. What made you so passionate about supporting families? Well, I think it has a lot to do with my own experience as a child. Um, <clears throat> I uh, grew up with a two-parent working family. And, um, and I spent some time with my grandmother. She was the daycare provider for our family. She stayed at home and took care of uh, my cousins and myself. 
And I, um, I had such a rich experience with her. Um, unconditional love, you know, presence, uh, attention. Uh, I was the youngest at the time, so the other children were getting dropped off at school, and I was getting to spend all that time with her and just learn her ways. And, um, and then uh, she was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was uh, three years old. And oh, so, no. Uh, yes. Uh, we did lose her when I was four. And um, as soon as she was diagnosed, she started doing her care. And so I went into daycare. And, um, and over the years up until, you know, the school years, I was in daycare of some kind and, um, and I saw the greatness of it and I saw the horribleness of it. And, um, and I just felt so moved to continue working with children to be that presence for them. Like, honestly, it's so sad, but so beautiful at the same time. I feel like she's so much of like who I became that's um, incredible experience. So, you know, that, you know, we're told over and over the first five years are the most important. And I could raise my hand to that um, yeah. as being, you know, an example of that. That's so awesome that you had her in your life to help you, like, impress you to be who you are today. And you're still like carrying those characteristics and those traits. Like, it's so incredible. Yes, I consider it like she's part of my foundation. Yeah, that is and- so good. And then this other work that uh, by RI, uh, the acronym is R-I-E, uh, Resources for Infant Educators, um, my mentor, Magda Gerber, was one of the founders. And I feel like she is the foundation of um, my parenting skills as well. Mm, that's so cool. So can you tell me a little bit about what, you know, what is the R-E-I method or R-I-E method? Sorry if I screwed that up. It's okay. Um I like the REI also. They have great outdoor. <laughs> it's so close. I, uh, I have a little dyslexia moment over here. My goodness. No worries. No worries. Um, so RIE um, is, is Resources for Infant Educators. It's an organization um, based here in Los Angeles where I am. And um, they provide uh, guidance for uh, educators um, who are working with infants and toddlers. Um, they offer parenting classes. They offer classes for nannies. It's really um, a, a philosophy that's uh, involved in including the children from even uh, an infant uh, all the way up uh, in their care. And then also just slowing down, being present and um, being respectful and what that looks like. Yeah. So how can the RIE, the RIE method transform your relationship with your kids? Like if someone's listening and they're like, I'd love to, you know, have a peaceful, more peaceful relationship. How can this help them? Well, I think the first thing it does is it slows us down. I think as parents, we want to provide, you know, the best and the most uh, for our children, because maybe, maybe we didn't have that growing up, or maybe that's what we're, you know, in our social culture of like, do, 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 um, in order to like, have the best child or to provide the best environment for them. And it's actually, it's, it reminds me of like peeling back all of that stuff. Um, and so it's, you know, having less in their environment. So it's not cluttered, um, having um, more presence with them uh, to get, you know, the diaper changing done or the toothbrushing done or, you know, getting shoes on, um, slowing down at their pace, at children's pace rather than do, do, do. Um, so it gives you really an opportunity to do less uh, and, and experience more with them. How does it very much differ from other kind of parenting styles? Like how is this one, you know, better? 
Yes. So um, one of the things that I really um, value in this um, philosophy is they use observation, a huge um, part of learning about our children, because, you know, we're with our children a lot, if not 24-7, a lot. And so we start to go, oh, I know them. Like, oh, they like this food or they're going to, you know, not want to put these socks on or, you know, uh, when it's time to go to bed, this is how they're going to act. And so when we do that, we're not in the observation mode. So, you know, our children have, you know, developmental milestones where they, you know, they peak and, you know, they're now feeding themselves with their own fork. And then there might be like two steps back and they're like using their hands or, you know, mommy help me or things like that. So if we are in the, you know, non-observation of like, well, he did that, you know, he's been feeding himself for a week, What you know, what's going on? You know how to do it rather than, you know, taking the time to observe of like, oh, you know what? He woke up in the middle of the night last night, you know, from a bad dream or, you know, daddy left in a rush so he didn't get to say goodbye or you know, if we don't take the opportunity to observe, then we might just go into what we know instead of really taking a look of like, what, what else is going on here? I love that. That's so interesting to really observe because it's really true, though, like as parents, we get kind of stuck in these patterns of like, we're with them all the time, right? So you would think that we would know, but they also are individuals just like we are. So there's things that, you know, would set them off just like there's things that set you and I off. Totally, totally. And I talk um, with parents about, you know, those wind up toys. Yeah. Um, so it could be, you know, they got oatmeal instead of, you know, cornflakes. So you wind it a little bit or mm-hmm. you know, again, daddy rushed off and didn't get to say goodbye. You wind it again. Uh, now it's time to put shoes on and you put the little toy down and it starts to go. So you don't necessarily know what was the trigger. It could have mm. been all of those. Yeah. Kind of just slowing down to take the time and see okay, where am I at? Am I here? Am I present with them? Yeah. Where are they? That's really cool. And I love that analogy because I don't, I don't know, like it's so hard to think of sometimes like to slow yourself down, which I love that you said, like, it's just, you really slow yourself down, which is so important. I saw that you homeschool your kids as yeah. well. So yeah. I, I homeschool my kids and, um, I have since I think it was 2016 or something somewhere in there, 15 or 16. When I first started homeschooling my kids, I remember being feeling really pressured and rushed to get everything done all the time. Like I was like, I got to do this and I have to do this. And I need to, you know, make sure that my daughter is doing all of this stuff and that we finish all of this. And I was in such a place that I was causing like insane amounts of stress on my daughter. She was the first one that I was homeschooling and it was just really not it really was not fun. So I had to learn how to calm myself down and realize that like, we're going to reach milestones when we reach them. If she's not like reading perfectly right now, that's okay. And it really, like I had to dial myself back and realize that like, she's a person and it's so hard, right? Like when you think of it, like we look at our, our kids and it's like, well, you know, they're, they're kids. And that's how we were treated growing up. It's like, we're children, you know, we're supposed to be, I don't even know, like seen, not heard, whatever, both maybe. <laughs> yes. Yes. I remember that. Yeah. Because even before you got to that point of, you know, changing things up, you got to a point of like, oh, I see, I see what's going on. Yeah. And at some point had some self-observation of like, okay, this isn't working for us. Right. And I wish, you know, I wish I had gotten to that point before. Cause I had spent like a good year, like the first year of homeschooling being all like, 
ah, <laughs> like we would sit down and it would just be like, we have to do it all and we've got to do it now. And we've got to, you know, focus and be doing school from this time to this time. I was in this like crazy amount of like chaos and stress for myself. And I think as mothers or parents in general, like that's kind of what we do, but not just in the homeschooling space. Like we do that in almost every space, like from when our kids are born. Exactly. Um, even like packing lunches, you know, we can overwhelm ourselves. or if it's an infant, you know, oh my gosh, how many hours of sleep? And, you know, we could do that to ourselves. Um, I really like uh, giving, reminding parents to give themselves grace, you know, yes. even though it took you a year, look, look what's blossomed from that experience. It's you know? so true. It's so true. And it's hard too. Cause like, I look back at, like you said, in the beginning of the interview, um, the first five years are the most important, which we totally know. And I remember with my son, when I had him, I had uh, birth trauma, PTSD and postpartum anxiety from the experience. And the first, I would say two or three years of his life were like crazy amounts of stress for me. And so I look back and, you know, whenever I think just an initial thought, like the first five years are so important. My brain automatically guilts itself. It's like, like you screwed up the first five years because you were like, you know, such a sad mess. But then just what you said, like give yourself grace for the fact that, you know, you went through that horrible time. You went through that traumatic time. You went through that time where you were like stressing and telling your kids they need to get their homework done like right now. But then you came out of it. And I think that's a really important mindset. And I love that you said that. Yeah, it's totally a rich experience for both of you to go through. But, you know, even even if it was like five years, six years or so, um, even after that five year window, I feel like there's no there's no limit of going back and just repairing that, you know, with yourself and Mm -hmm. then, you know, with your children as well. If a mom's listening and she really, you know, she has older kids. Right. So her kids are a little bit older. Maybe they're like, I don't know, like teens, whatever, but maybe perhaps during the childhood years, she didn't know about the Rye method. And she spent all of that time being like super stressed out and like crazy, like, you know, we have to get everything done all the time and all of that. And now perhaps she feels guilty about it. And she wishes that she had done something differently. What can she do now? What can she do for her children now to kind of, you know, fix that relationship, mend that relationship and move forward using the Rye method, even though her children are older. Yes. Um, <clears throat> when Magda first started uh, the Rye work, uh, she really focused on the zero to two uh, work because there was, you know, Montessori, there's early Head Start that was focusing like three years old and up. And so her work, you know, established in that way. Um, but for me, it's another foundation. Like when I am having challenging times with my teenagers, adult children, whatever it is, I always go back to that foundation of, you know, consistency, you know, having them be an active participant. And so something here at Homeschool Garden that comes from the Rye work is that, um, that the work that we do as parents is to see our children with new eyes and to listen for what is not said. And so for me, that's especially hits home with teenagers because they're not going to be spilling the beans on everything if you don't have that kind of relationship. Um, 
So then it begins even when you're picking them up from school. It could be even a kindergartner or a teenager of instead of how was your day, it might be, oh, while you were at school today, I was able to get together with grandma and we had some coffee. And then um, and then I took her to the store and we went and picked up some things for uh, her birthday celebration that she's going to be having. And then after that, um, I was able to pick up the mail and uh, get the kitchen cleaned. And so you're telling them about your day. And then you're giving them space so that they could, oh, well, you know, I was at school and, you know, we didn't have drama because the teacher was out. You know, they start to open up because you're not putting the spotlight on them. How was your day? You know, tell me all about it. So you start to share a little bit about your day and then giving them space so that they could uh, then share with you or, oh, my day sucked or whatever it was <laughs> that they want to share with you. So creating that space. Um, also, you know, if they have similar interests, you know, um, so my older children uh, were just physically active, loved to play sports. And um, and I remember them, they were about like nine and six. And, uh, you know, they're like, come on, mom, come out to play. And I'm like, I got dishes to do. I got to start dinner. And they're like, and when I heard them, really, really heard them say, you always say that. It was like a, a big red light of like, okay, that's, that's for me to pay attention to. Um, so I, you know, started dinner. The dishes are going to be there. <laughs> They're going to be there. <laughs> They're not running anywhere. Um, and I literally put on like a timer for 10 minutes. Uh, and I was fully present there with them. Like I was in the game. I was playing. We were having conversation. And then the kitchen timer went off so that I can go back to pay attention to dinner. For them, it felt like if I was playing for an hour with them. And it was literally 10 minutes, but it's that presence of I'm all in, you know, no distractions, no phone, no, nothing else is coming up. You are my focus. And they were like, thanks so much, mom. And I went in. Um, so one of the things of, that Rye talks about is the quality of time, not the quantity of time. So, you know, if you're giving that quality time, it really doesn't take a lot of time, um, but we could be we could be with them, you know, whether we're driving, grocery shopping, and not really be present with them. We could be thinking about the grocery mm -hmm. list or that email I got to respond to or things like that. Um, yeah. So that's, that's quantity of time, but not necessarily quality of time. So really giving them your undivided attention is yeah. really important. Yes. And if you haven't had that and they're like, what are you doing? You know, that's different. It might be, you know, if they're reading, you know, they're really into certain types of books, it might be, you know, either reading with them or catching it on Audible so that you can have a conversation with them about mm -hmm. it. So connecting with them. That's really cool. And it, I love that you said to share your day with them, Yeah, which is cool because my daughter, she's 11 now and she's getting into that like kind of closed off-ness. <laughs> So I'm always bugging her with like constantly talking to her about everything. <laughs> so it's good. That means I'm doing something right. Whew, that's good. <laughs> uh, you're keeping that window open. Yeah. That can have that dialogue. Yeah. That's so good. So how has the Rye method really transformed your relationship with your children? Um, I think the Rye method, one of the the tools that we use in the Rye method is sports casting. So if you can imagine, you know, watching a game, you know, so-and-so has the ball and they're dribbling down the court, you know, he takes a shot. No, he passes it to so-and-so. Um, so 
that kind of thing. So we do sports casting. It could be, you know, uh, children having a conflict over who's going to sit in the front seat. You know, I saw that so-and-so came to sit in the seat. Now, you know, now you're wanting to sit there. It's always the front seat. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so it's not necessarily in my family yet because they're not old enough, but it's the middle seat. Nobody wants the middle seat. And when I was growing up, it was the front seat because we were allowed to sit up front. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yes. So, you know, those kinds of things. And you sports cast. So it's so easy for, for children to get so self-centered of like, I, but I want it. I want it. Um, where they can't actually see the other person because they're so focused on themselves. So the sports casting actually brings them out of themselves because you are talking about what's happening in front of them, not just inside of them. Uh, so that's really helpful. Um, and that's so, yes. Yeah, so it could be, it could be just with words, you know, Oh, you know, I heard you were talking rough to your brother, you know, um, you can say it in a kinder way, you know, stop. You know, he shouted, you know, you can say that in a kinder way, you know, Hey, I'm using this right now. I'm not offering for you to have it. Um, is a kinder way to do it. So sports casting is really helpful. Um, and it's funny, um, so my 12 year old, I was off to work to go teach some uh, classes. And um, he's like, I don't want you to talk to me in the way that you, you talk to children in Rye Talk. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm gonna go to work. When I come back, you let me know how you'd like me to talk to you. And then we can have a conversation about it. Um, and so I left. And I came back and I said, so, you know, have you figured out how you'd like me to talk to you? No. Fine. Just keep talking to me like that. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So, so what it has allowed me is that as they grew into men through their, you know, tumultuous high school years, the conversation was always open. I remember um, my son was going from a small, so they were going to school at this time. Uh, was going to a small eighth grade, you know, middle school, and he wanted to go to a large high school. And so my concern of like, okay, that's a big leap. Let's do summer school, which is smaller, you know, and, um, and then, you know, then he'll be able to transition more easily, I believe. So he went to summer school and it's maybe the second week of summer school and he hops in the car and I'm driving away and he says, mom, the girls here are so easy. And I was just like, oh my God, what does he mean? Like, what does that mean? Uh, and so I paused. I didn't like, you know, as I was gasping in the front seat and he couldn't see me because he was in the back. I was like, okay. I was like, oh, so what does that mean? And he says, they grab my hand and they write their phone number on my hand. And I was like, oh, okay, thank you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh okay. That's a good show. You know, as I'm like gulping down, you know. Oh, <laughs> man. but so it's allowed me to keep an open conversation so much that even you know when they're upset with me I remember my oldest being 18 and was like you know I'm mad right now with you like I don't feel like talking but I understand what you did but I don't feel like talking to you right now and it was like that's enough like I'm glad the channel is still open Mm -hmm. he may be mad at me but you know, he's even clarifying, I'm not ready to talk right now. Yeah. So, so when they say like, I don't want to talk right now, I'm prepare me here for teen years. Cause I'm getting there. <laughs> so like when they say like, I don't want to talk right now, that's a good thing. Yes. Yes. Okay. Cause 
because he's voicing that instead of just shutting down. Yeah. Staying in the I'm mad at you mode. He's at yeah. least, you know, processing what's going on. And for me, it's he's setting a boundary. That's really good. Okay. I'll tell That's you another good. story about, you know, when I use that. And so I use that even. Um, yeah. So um, we were at the grocery store uh, with my five-year-old and two-year-old um, only because I had opened my cupboards at five, five thirty, and there was nothing. And I was like, ah, oh, we got to go to the grocery store. And so packed them into their car seats, you know, drove to the store, got into the store. And I was like, well, we're here now. I slept two kids. Let's just do the whole haul. Um, and so we like went through every single aisle. We're on the second to last aisle, which happened to be the bean aisle, canned beans. My five-year-old is like darting up and down the aisle. And, um, and my two-year-old's starting to look like he's going to do the same thing. So I was like, I'm not offering for you to be running up and down the aisle. Uh, I'd like you to stay close to the cart. So he runs back and forth down the aisle again. And so I'm like, okay, I, I'm choosing to set a boundary now because I already said something. So I put my hand out to stop him and he runs full blast into my arm and ricochets off my arm into the, his back into the can of beans. And <sighs> he is so irate with me. I can't believe you did that. And oh. he is throwing a full on five-year-old tantrum oh, no. in the store and my cart's full, right? <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I am not here for all the parents who are now or adults that are now watching me, you know, the, the people that are like now avoiding the aisle and, you know, we're right at the front of the aisle by the register. So now everybody's like peering in from the register. I'm like, okay, I'm only here for my kid. So I sit myself on the floor and I bring him into my arms and he's like, I can't believe you did that. You know? And my two-year-old is like looking like he wants to run up and down the aisles. I'm like, Oh no, you're going to stay by the cart, which he did. And I hold on to my, very angry five-year-old until he starts to breathe different like he starts to calm and I said I'm going to open up my arms now and we're going to go down the last aisle and then we're leaving and so I open up my arms and he gets up like he's dusting himself off he's like oh I can't believe that happened and we go down the last aisle which is you know the wine aisle which I don't pick up anything but I'm like okay that's perfect that that's the last aisle we go to the register and um, by the time we get to the register, and this is kids, kids organically are like done, done, moved on. He's like, look, mom, my five-year-old, that's the dish soap that we use. And I'm like, oh, he's thinking about dish soap. And I'm still And so I, I'm like, yeah, I'm not there yet. And just happens to be the bagger and cashier are just having this great conversation and it's going really slow in my mind. I'm like, oh, yeah. bag this stuff. So we get to the car, I put up in their car seats, you know, the groceries are put away, I'm behind the driving wheel again. And, um, and he says, you know, oh, mom, you know, and he's wanting to have this conversation with me. And I'm like, you know what, I'm still thinking about what happened on inside the grocery store. I said, I'm not ready to talk yet. I'm not feeling like talking. Uh -huh. um, we're going to drive home. I could talk to you then. Um, if you want to, you can talk to your brother. So he looks over to the two year old and he's like, no. <laughs> quiet on the way home we drive home uh unpack the groceries and I tell him I you know I I'm going to take accountability for my part like these were hungry kids we should have just run in grab what we needed leave to go you know have dinner or whatever it was 
what I tell him is like, um, I'm thinking about what happened at the store. I think next time we might just get in the car and go get a boil local, like something quick. Yeah. <laughs> and so I want to be responsible for what I created. And then if he wants to take responsibility for his, great. If he doesn't, no. Did he? Um, he just like was like, oh, okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> Man, these kids. It's like, oh, my seven-year-old, he's just so like everything that comes into his brain, he just says. Uh-huh. And he's very like, he gets offended so easily. Like if anyone says anything back to him and it's just like, ah, like it's so hard <laughs> when you were saying like that he ricocheted off you and like banged into the beans. I was like, no, <laughs> especially when he's like, that what look what you did or whatever he, like that is so mortifying that's like the type of situation that makes you know everybody cringe yes totally and and that's where I got to be in the space of like okay I'm here for my kids yeah I have to please everybody you know somebody oh. who wants to come down the bean aisle they get to come but they'll have to be a witness to this you know so just being aware of yeah oh, where's my presence that's so amazing I love love, love, love that outlook because if, you know, if I go through that situation, which I have before where, you know, it's just some fluke thing, like the kid will bang off my leg or something. And then they'll be like, you did this to me. And I'm like, no, I did it. <laughs> but it's Very always, a, yeah. It's like a feeling of like, all of these people are now watching us. I need to like make this look really good, but it's like, you just chose to focus on your kid, which I love. I love that. That is just so beautiful and something that like I think every mom can work on yeah definitely I think it's yeah. so important it's so important for us you know to be able to to work through that but for me it's even more important for the kids to know that I'm gonna you know be me even yeah. in, in the grocery store at church in the parking lot you know yeah. whatever it is so that they're like oh we're in front of people hmm, what can I <laughs> what yeah. can I pull what string can I pull but also like oh she really means it like she yeah. really is gonna hold her boundary or whatever it is I needed that the other day my son was like pulling oh he was pulling some like cards and I was just like I'm gonna lose my mind right now because we were like outside and he's like saying all of this loud stuff and I'm like the neighbors can hear you <laughs> And like 80% of what you're saying isn't true. So I'm like, what are you doing right now? Because they just really, when they're that age, it's just kind of like, bleh, like everything that they feel that they think it just comes out. Yes. And it's like, whew, it's so hard in that moment. It is. It's it crazy. Is. Yes. And so even if you are not perfect in that moment, <laughs> if I grabbed my two children and left the store with, you know, a grocery cart, you know, in the middle of the beans aisle, yeah. I would still want to say next time I'd like to be able to finish grocery shopping or, you know, whatever it is, this time we weren't able to. So it's always mm. for me an observation of like, okay, there's always a next time, you know, there's yeah. going to be other grocery shopping trips. There's yeah. going to be other times you're outside in the front next time, you know, I'm hoping that your words can be kinder or yeah. <laughs> next time I may bring you in because that might be too much. We interrupt this amazing episode with Erica Cruz to tell you about the Genuine Mommies Activity book. Okay, I have to tell you, even though I wrote it, 
I was excited to get it in the mail when <laughs> when they sent me my copy because it's incredible. And I am so pleased to share with you that I have been receiving so many positive reviews from moms all over the world talking about how fantastic this little book is. So basically, it's there. It's your little companion to help you get through those tough days, to help you unwind at the end of a day, and to help you relax and refocus. It is packed with activities designed for moms, and it has a few other amazing perks inside. Make sure you pick up your copy. There is a link to where you can order it on Amazon in this show notes. Okay, let's get back to the interview. You were sharing with me that you felt almost the same way that I did when I started homeschooling. Yeah. Just like stressed. Yes. And, um, and needing to like, um, have a certain amount of, you know, hours in and, uh, how much work is supposed to be completed and all of that in the beginning. And, you know, as I had my one pupil at the time, uh, <laughs> I was going, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't take all this time. I don't need to have him, you know, in, you know, and I say school parentheses of school from like eight to three or nine to three. Yeah. That's yeah. Sense. You know, he gets through the work, um, you know, we do, do the process, you know, he gets to move around and play. And it was like, why did I want to homeschool? Oh, yeah. So that, you know, that he has a lot more time. Yeah. It was so, it was so funny and not funny. Um, there was a point where they went back to school. Um, I'm trying to think what grade they were in. I think, I think fifth grade or something like that. Um, and he's like, um, and hadn't been in school before and was like, we have such a short amount of time to play. Mm. And, you know, we don't even have time to eat. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot. So it's homeschooled. You know, yeah, homeschooled. How much <laughs> and how much time we enjoy that. Mm -hmm. you know? And all those rich experiences that they get from it as well. Yeah, they do. They really do. The other day I was um, on social media and I saw a post that someone put up and I think it was heart-based homeschoolers. She put up a post and it was like, my kid um, was talking to a stranger and the stranger was like, oh, like, but how are you socialized? And the kid was like, I'm talking to you right now, aren't I? And I was like, that is so good. <laughs> like, it's so, it's so rich. Like I just, our kids, I think that they are getting such a different education and such a different outlook of life and being able to be able to like, kind of, not that kids in, public school can't, but they just are able to spend more time thinking about things and, you know, socializing with other people, not just kids their age. Like when you're in school all the time, like you're with kids your age all the time and then your teachers, but like our kids, they go out on these excursions and they like meet new people. And it's really cool to think about. So I, I find it's really hard to find your way out of that thinking pattern, like, oh, well, my kid needs to be doing school from, you know, nine to three, like public school. And we need to be doing whatever, like late August. To, yeah. Like we, like it's, <laughs> we get in this like thought pattern, right? Like, and it's such a, it's such a, ugh, it's such a gross thought pattern. Yes. Yeah. And how I explain it to other families is like, you know, I'm 46. I don't just hang out with 46 year olds. Like I have friends that are, you know, way older. I have friends that are way younger. Yeah. Relate to them. You know, I think it's, it's definitely a different experience. Yeah, it is. It is. And I love that you're you, like, you're not worried about 
the judginess of it, which is so good. Cause I think that's one thing that a lot of people face is the, the judgment of like, well, well, I homeschool my kids. So I might be judged for it. Like by people like, so you feel like you constantly have to be like, well, you know, they do socialize, they do this and this and this. And, you know, with like their homework, like, oh yeah, they can read. Like, it always feels like you're constantly being pressured, but like, just as you, just as you showed with the whole bean incident in the grocery store, you just, you handle it with such grace and like, you know what, I'm not here for those people. I'm here for my kids. And it's just such a great way to look at it. Like in every aspect of parenting, like whether you're homeschooling or not, like you just have like this grace about how you're taking care of your kids and they're your priority, not what other people think. And I, I just, I love that. Thank you. I think I had to learn that really early on because Rye was so different to, to my parents. My parents were like, so I was like, okay, I need to be, you know, grounded in this so that I can be present to it because my parents were not key on it at first, you know, Mm. why are you talking to your baby? You know? And I said, and I was, and they spent a lot of time with him. So I was really wanting them to be on board. Mm -hmm. Their first response was, well, we will just be hands off grandma and grandpa. Like we won't participate, you know, as you know, you're wanting us to talk to him while you diaper, while we diaper change or while we feed him and things like that. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's your choice. Um, but then they started to see, wow, he really understands you. Like, you know, five months old, six months old, wow, he's really understanding when you're saying you're going to go put something away and then it's time to go. Oh, he really understands you when you ask him to come sit down to eat, you know. Um, and so then they started to lean in. And by the time my oldest was, I want to say just after one, uh, we were leaving a you know family barbecue and my dad comes up to my son and says, we're going to be leaving soon. I'm going to go get your jacket. Mm-hmm. And when I come back, it's going to be time to go. Um, and so he went and he left. And then my older cousin was like, uh, Andrew, I'm going to wave goodbye to you here I'm lifting my arm and I'm waving as a joke like making fun of you know the way that we're talking to him but my parents were sold on it by what they saw that is so cool yeah I'm really I'm really thankful for that yeah that's really cool so talking to your children like as if they're an adult is clearly like a very important thing to do especially when they're little like you didn't start it like when they were like you know, six or whatever, like you, you started this, like from when they were babies. Yes. Yes, I did. I came across the philosophy in school and was like, oh, that's great. But I don't, I can't see how you can really do that. Mm-hmm. So then um, I ended up working at a center that used the philosophy and saw, wow, this, this really happens, was pregnant with my son shortly after and was like, hook, line, and singer. It was like so different from what um, I had experienced as a child. Mm-hmm. Even I think the time, maybe it reminisced of what I received from my grandmother of like that oh. slowness and that patience. Gosh, I didn't even make that connection till now. Thank you. You're um, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, this is, this is what I want to do. And I leaned in hard. I was like, oh, I, I'm into it. I remember calling, uh, Rye here based in Los Angeles for the training for adults and the woman that answered had no idea why I was calling and said oh how old is your child um we can enroll your child in the class and I was like what you have classes for kids too so we were learning at the same time I was taking the adult course and then doing a mommy and me class with my my oldest at that time 
That is so cool. Yeah. So, oh so right away, I had to learn to be present for my child and myself because I yeah. was going to have people judging me. So it was just like, okay, this is what's important to me right now. Like, it's just such a different way of looking at motherhood. Like, really, it is so much of what we do as moms. Well, maybe not so much, but a lot of what we do as moms, especially when we're in public, is like we feel like we have to look like super mom. And like when, yeah, like when you show up on social media, even it's like, I have to make this look good, right? Like I have to make this look like, you know, it's the highlight reel. Like I'm posting all of my great stuff or like I'm, you know, doing this and we're at the grocery store and I got to make it look like I've got like the sweetest, coolest kids ever. And I'm buying them all like organic snacks. Like you don't want people to see, you know, you're secretly stuffing the craft dinner and behind the broccoli. Like you, you want to like have this beautiful, I don't know, like illusion around you that makes other people be like, wow. But like, you just totally are away from that. It's like, no, like I'm still reeling over the whole bean thing. Like, I'm just like, I would be so mortified (laughs) and you just handled it with such like grace. And I just, I love that. Like, and it's in every aspect of your parenting. It's not like, well, okay, you know, I'm going to do my teaching hat now. And you put that on and it's like, I'm going to homeschool my kids like this. And this is how I'm going to talk to my toddler, but I'm going to talk differently to my older kid. You're just like, nope, I'm going to be this way with everybody. And that's how it is. And that's just so cool. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. I felt like I was such a clean slate. Um, You know, I had my experience in childcare. I had my experience with my grandmother. And as a parent, it was like, okay, you know, I, I would like to toss everything out of the book that I don't, you know, knew before. And I'd like to start fresh. So this became the foundation as well. That's so cool. Your grandma sounded like an amazing person. Oh yes. She was the matriarch and we all miss her greatly. That's for sure. That's so cool. My grandma was pretty cool too. My mom had a head injury when I was only four. And so my grandma took care of me for, you know, a little while. And then she ended up unfortunately, um, developing Alzheimer's. And then we slowly watched her like deteriorate in front of us. But I, I too believe what you said, like those first five years are so important and having her in my life was such a shaping thing for me. And it's so great to be able to provide that for my kids now, like to be able to pick, you know, this is who you're going to be around and they're great and they're going to help you and shape you. And I think that's really important to do, especially for the moms that are listening that are like, maybe they're struggling like I did in the first, you know, few years and they're having like postpartum or they're having, you know, birth trauma, PTSD or something like that. Right. And they're listening to this and they're like, well, I really want to be, you know, that peaceful, like rye method mom, but I'm struggling so bad with my mental health. I think it's a great tip to just like surround yourself with people that you know are going to help you and uplift you and help you with gaining those goals with parenting, just like your parents did. Like at first they're like, this is weird, (laughs) but then they did it. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, Community is is huge. Uh, It could, you know, lift you up or it could bring you down. So I feel so bad to you because there's so many moms that say like, we, we don't have a village which is really sad. Yes. And I think if anything that we've gained from this pandemic is this kind of communication online, 
even though they might not be there to, you know, take over your, you know, start taking over your dinner so you could put your feet up. They're not in person, but they could so validate you of like, yeah, you know, get that, you know, lasagna in the microwave, whatever you need to do to put your feet up because that's what you might need for yourself. That's so good. So good. So let's move on. So let's talk to that mom right now that's listening that, you know, maybe she's like holding her little baby in her arms and she really wants to do the very best. She wants to do the very best for her baby. And she's just not sure how. What advice do you have for her to make sure that she reaches those goals and those milestones that she wants to reach with parenting for her babe? Oh, yes. Um, for me, it would be um, checking in of like, okay, you know, is there any part of this that's hard right now? Um, is there any part of this that you, so much what you said right now about that you're putting pressure on yourself, you know, to look a certain way or be present with your baby in a certain way. And you might not just be feeling it. Like it might not be there for you yet. Yeah. Um, so checking in with that, I feel like, um, I feel like that um, period when we're leaving the grocery store after the can of beans to the time that we got to the house, that was me of like, breathing through that, getting through that, you know, yes, you know, people were looking at me. Yes. My son fell apart. Here I am in the car driving home instead of trying to appease his wanting to talk and then getting home and not having any juice to keep going and maybe lose it on them or lose it at him. So it's like, first, what do I need? Um, am I adding extra pressure of like, Oh my God, what did they say about me? Or what are they saying? Those kinds of things. And then it's like, okay, you know, what does my baby need? You know, is my baby needing more sleep? Maybe, maybe not. Is my baby, you know, needing more time with me? Is my baby needing more time with daddy? Is my baby needing more time just playing on their own? Um, And then, you know, are there needs being met as far as feeding and, you know, sleeping and, you know, are your needs being met? Feeding, sleeping. Um, and so, you know, the basic needs are being met now what? Okay. You know, we are sleeping more, maybe not as much as we'd like, you know, um, feeding is going well. Great. And then now you get to do more of the doing less. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, I can put my baby down and my baby can play for, you know, 10 minutes. And then that time will grow. Um, the more that you are, interacting in this way with the Rye, excuse me, the way Rye recommends is like during those times of feeding and bathing and diapering, that you're having that conversation and that dialogue with them. of like, you know, I'm going to check if you have any pee or poop. Okay. It looks like you have some poop this time. So I'm going to get the wipes ready. Okay. The wipes are ready. Now I'm going to wipe your bum. Okay. We're all done with that. You have a clean diaper on now. Um, so the time that you're with those interactive um, periods of diaper changing, feeding, bathing, putting to sleep, that they are then able to play longer periods without you. And so that gives you time to, you know, take a nap if you need to take a nap in the same room with them. It could be, you know, time for you to go and take a shower. It could be time for you to, you know, get yourself a cup of tea. It could be, you know, times where you, um, you know, figure out, you know, do I want to do laundry or do I want to dish, do dishes right now? And so it could be time to read a book. 
So the idea is that there is time wherein you are um, filling up their needs and being present with them. That gives you time to be without them present. And I think it's such a way of feeding ourselves and taking care of ourselves in a whole different way that's not talked about much. That's beautiful. And no, it's not talked about. It's really not. I, I wish that there was like a manual for moms, like new and, you know, veteran moms that are going through what they're going through. Like we all are unique in our own way, mm-hmm. but there's just so many ways that would benefit us. Like being able to hear, you know, your output, like this is what you do. You talk to your baby like this and it helps. And I take care of me and I, you know, will take a nap if I need to. Like, these are things that people need to hear. We think of motherhood and we think like, this is just, I have to sacrifice everything that I am and now take care of these little people. And it's exhausting. And I don't know, like where, where that idea came from, like maybe from our mothers or like from previous generations of like women that, you know, seemed to have it all together. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. God bless them. My goodness. Our mothers and, you know, grandmothers and everybody, you know, that before us, I even, I was doing that to myself at some point where, you know, I wanted to be like my grandmother of, you know, kitchen smelled always delicious. Like there was Mm. something, (laughs) you know, the house was clean. The kids were in and out from the backyard play to inside play, you know, running in and out, um, happy, harmonious, you know, uh, my grandfather would come home and she'd, you know, have everything all ready, you mm-hmm. know, for everybody to sit down and eat. And, um, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing that. You know, I have dishes in the sink and this and that. And I was like, oh, I'm running a business also. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, yeah. at this point I was a single mom. Oh, yeah. you know, so it's just like, hello. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a big thing too, is that everybody has their own personal and unique experiences. And we need to check in with ourselves, like you said, and just like, look at, look at your own life. Like, what do you have going on in your life? You're running a business. Like you have a lot going on and like, give yourself grace for that, which I think is huge. Like, I love how you talk to your babies, but I feel like we also need to talk to ourselves that way. Very much so. Very much yeah. So. I need to talk to myself and be like, okay, yes, I need to vacuum the house, but today I'm like working on this and this and this. And like, just give yourself grace for that. Cause we give, we offer grace to so many other people, even our children. Like, so I mean, obviously our children, I hope so our children, but like, but do we give it to ourselves? Yes. And, and then there's sometimes where we're not giving it to our children because we're not giving it to ourselves. Yeah. And then we're short with them and then it's a, whole thing and then they're short with us and then it just keeps going back and forth. <laughs> yes, it spirals all the way out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Until it eventually reaches the dad at the top of the <laughs> it's pure chaos. <laughs> all right. Well I really have enjoyed, you know, picking your brain and learning about the Rye method and just your way of parenting. And I just will forever remember your bean story that is just going to stick in my brain forever because it's like everybody can relate to that like having your kid do a complete and utter meltdown in front of strangers it's just like uh. <laughs> yeah kids are kids are funny I don't even know <laughs> just, 
but yeah, thank you so much for coming on. So before we close up this episode, where can the listeners of this episode find you on social media? Oh, awesome. Um, there's two spots. Uh, we have our website for the school, which lists, you know, classes that I offer and workshops and a lot of them are online. So um, if you're not in Los Angeles area, you're still able to participate. Uh, it is homeschoolgardensite.com. And then also you can follow on Instagram, uh, same thing, Homeschool Garden, uh, without the site, <laughs> Homeschool Garden. And then uh, my personal Instagram as well, uh, O-C Erica, E-R-I-C-A. Perfect. And I'm going to put all of that as well into the show notes so that listeners can find you in a very easy fashion because I really believe you have such a gift and you need to share it with the world. So we need to get as many people looking at what you're doing and learning from it, because I really think that it's just such a beautiful thing for motherhood to be able to kind of pull back on all of that stress and just rethink what you're doing and focus on your kids. It's such a gift. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes. Thank you for coming on and hopefully we'll have you back on the show again soon. Sounds great. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Genuine Mom Club podcast. I hope that it was helpful for you and that it helps you to be the parent that you have always wanted to be. And I just want to, again, thank Erica Cruz for taking the time out of her busy schedule to join us and to give us some wisdom on how to be a more peaceful parent. And I just, I loved this interview and I hope that you did too. Just a reminder, if you heard the little ad during the show that the Genuine Mom Club has produced the Genuine Mummies activity book and it is now available on Amazon. And I would love for you to pick up a copy and to let me know what you think of it because I don't know, I've just been like so excited to be able to share that with the world. And I'd just love for you to be able to check it out and let me know what you think. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the Genuine Mom Club podcast, share it with your friends. Uh, If you loved this episode, screenshot it and post it on your story on Instagram, but make sure you tag me so that I can see it. And also, I am in desperate need of some new reviews for my podcast. Uh, Most of mine are like a year old. So if you have a minute, please, please, please leave a review of the podcast, but only nice things, okay? Because, you know, I'm a person. Okay. That's all for this episode. I hope that you have a wonderful day and remember that you are an amazing person and you are doing a great job with your kids. Bye for now.